Lord, come on, somebody tonight. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Somebody, you want to lift your voice in the house tonight one more time. Come on, everybody.
Shalom, 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 shalom. Shalom even in the people of God. Shalom even in church. Please, I believe you are all doing well. Glory to Jesus. I thank God for your lives. By the special grace of God, myself and my family, we are doing well. The Lord bless you and favor you all in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to welcome all of you to this evening's session of the prophetic training experience where we delve into the Word of God, even for the Lord to help us by the enlightenment of His Spirit. Hallelujah. God bless you. It's a blessing to have all of you here. And I believe that the grace of God will come upon you in an immeasurable way in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. But then before we go into the word of God, I want to make this prayer for everybody that if there is any burden, that it is needless for you to bear. May the hand of God lift it from your neck in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Any burden that is on your neck that is not yielding glory to God, I break it in the name of Jesus. 
and I decree by the voice of the Lord, your testimony is knocking on your door in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. One of my daughters shared a testimony with me the whole of last year. She's in the U.S. and she actually wanted to apply for a credit card, something that people do and they easily get. She did that and they declined her. So she didn't know the reason why they declined her application. So she decided to, you know, just probe further to know the reason why. And it actually came out that in the year 2018, she, she was staying at a certain place. And where she was staying, when she left the place, the electricity was still counting. And she did not inform the electricity people to disconnect the thing. So while she was away for like six months in a different place, it took six months before another person, you know, came to live in that room. So that means for six months, the electricity bills were actually piling up. And she didn't understand because she said there were moments where she went to actually check the bills. There were moments where some of the bills were even higher than she, when she was there. So it looked like somebody was using it and she was, and they said if she doesn't pay, they are not going to give her the credit card. And she just didn't know what to do. We prayed to the glory of God. After the prayer, this year she decided to check the website where, you know, the bills and every charge is actually there. When she checked, everything was gone. The charge is zero. She called the people to check whether they have made the mistake. They said, um, everything is okay now. And in fact, the amount of money we are talking about here is getting close to $1,000. And to the glory of God, everything has just been erased. And now, she's getting her credit card to the glory of God. It is my prayer that you be the one next to testify in the name of the Lord Jesus. If the Lord has appointed this year to be the year that he will establish you in marriage, nothing can stop it in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. May the grace of God rest upon you in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. All right, the Lord bless you. Kindly share the link. Kindly share the link and invite your friends and loved ones. Even as we take a prayer, kindly share the link. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus.
Hallelujah. Amen. Please, can you all hear me? Sorry, the young prophet was worrying. It's not hard to settle things. Okay. Okay, we give God praise. We give God praise. It is my prayer that the glory of God will rest upon you. In Jesus' mighty name. There is somebody they call your mother Aso. It is like a name they call her at home. Like in the family, God is preserving her life. In Jesus' name. Any arrow of death that has been shot against that woman, we reverse it. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And we declare that the covering of the Lord will be upon that woman. And may the Lord preserve her. In Jesus' name. There is somebody connected to, I don't know whether it's a friend, a cousin, or a sister. They call her Catherine. As I'm looking at, at the vision, I see that Catherine is taking something like poison. And she says she's tired of life. I don't know how that person is connected to anybody here. But we are praying that the Lord would deliver her from that agenda of the enemy. That voice of suicide is muted in the name of Jesus. And we speak for divine covering over the life of Catherine in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. We establish the will and the purposes of God even in the life of Catherine in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. We call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Somebody for two to three months now, you've not seen your menses and you know you are not pregnant too. I want to pray for you. And you've been experiencing some kind of abdominal pains. The Lord is healing you right now in Jesus' name. If you are that person, just get any bottle of water right now. If you are that person, get any bottle of water right now. I speak as I speak over the water. That the presence of the Lord will come upon it. The hand of the Lord, the finger of God will stir the waters in the name of Jesus. And as you partake of it, it is no longer. Okay, it is no longer any ordinary water. But then this is the living water in the name of Jesus. As you partake of it, the divine life enter into your abdomen. And where they have blocked that flow, I unblock it in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Mighty Father, let your will be established in Jesus' precious mighty name. I call it down. I call it down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, fulfill your will and let your glory be seen in the lives of your people. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. There is somebody, you had a dream, and in the dream, it looks like you were trying to pull down a tree, like you were cutting it down. You were doing your best. You were forcing yourself to pull that tree down. But in the dream, you did not see whether the tree fell down or not. I want to pray for you. Lord says that anything that is standing in your way that is preventing you from moving into the next level of your life is going down and the Lord is giving you divine strength even to overcome 
in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. May the grace of God. Now, some of you have been at one place for a long time. You know, financially, you don't see any increase. It looks like they're at the same financial level you were three years ago. It's the same thing. Things are not moving. Things are not moving. But I'm praying for you that the voice of the Lord will echo in your financial life in the name of Jesus. Business opportunities that will open heavenly doors for you in the name of the Lord Jesus. May the Lord help you. Investments that will yield greater profits in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. May the Lord cause it to be established and may his will concerning your life be made manifest in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. All right. God bless you, wonderful people of God. The Lord bless you and favor you all. All right. So let's take a quick prayer before we zoom into the word of God. Blessed Holy Spirit, we thank you. We give you glory for tonight. We ask in Jesus' name that you brood of us once again. Let the life you have deposited in us be hatched, even according to your brooding. In the name of the Lord Jesus. It is our prayer that you cause your light to shine upon us in the name of Jesus. Without your shining form, the scriptures are just but the mere writing. But once your light shines on it, you receive life. For the word of God says that you search through the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. We know that the life is hidden in the scriptures. But the scriptures also have light behind. Therefore, we ask now, Holy Spirit of God, that you cause the light beneath the scriptures to be revealed. And ask, O oh God, as we come before thee, establish us in the truth of your word, in the mighty name of Jesus, that we will know the hope of our calling and the power of God towards us and even the inheritance that the Lord has in the saints. Help us, mighty Father. We give you glory. In Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Oh, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, we give God praise. We give God glory for this evening. It's been a wonderful time. And I want all of you to note there is something amazing that the Lord will do for your life tonight. Lord will bring an uncommon understanding to you in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So we began a new series on the inheritance of the saints. God willing, next week. I'll, I'll try and do my best to complete that side. I know it will lead me into many other messages, but then I want to do my best by the special grace of God to um, climax everything on the inheritance of the saints. Then we now move into, I wanted to teach on the first fruits, first fruits. But then I also have a message on waters. So I'll hear what the Lord has to say whether we should go into the waters or we should go into the first fruits. Hallelujah. So please, let's take note. The Lord will help us. 
in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. So we began with this new series of the inheritance of the saints. And um, by the help of the Holy Spirit, we've laid a lot of foundations. And I believe um, by now many of us are you know, well acquainted with some of the things we, we, we spoke about. If you were not here during the first and second meetings, please, I would entreat that you go to the podcast and download the messages and listen to them. In fact, there were many wonderful secrets that were shared um, you know, in those two sermons. So make sure you get them. It will really be a wonderful blessing to you. Hallelujah. It will help you because you will need that as a foundation before you can understand what we are talking about today. But let me just give a quick recap. So we understood that before God created the world, when the whole world had not been created, there was God. And this God was, and I also told you that the name God is not, that God is not a name. It is not the name of God. Because there are many gods. And in my message on the mystery God, I told you, you remember? That was in the year 2021. When I was teaching on the mystery God, I made us understand that God is just a terminology that is used to qualify a being that has various dimensions of manifestations. So we all know, even in the scriptures, the Bible speaks of the fact that there are gods. So when Moses was able to cross the Red Sea with the Israelites, when they crossed to the other side, the Bible said, and they sang the song of Moses. I think that is in Exodus 15 or so. And the song of Moses that they sang, that is the song we normally hear, that he said, among the gods, among the gods, who is like thee? You are glorious in holiness fearful in praise among the gods so that one should actually let you know that there are gods but there are gods and there is the only one true god hallelujah and this only one true god before he created the world he was many things he was in his own class he dwelt in a realm the bible said it is in a, in a light that no one can approach and this God descended into a new dimension. That new dimension, he stepped down from that higher realm. And when he stepped down, he decided to create. It's just a quick recap. And in, in the quest to create, he divided, or let me say, he stretched himself into three dimensions. He called one part the Father, he called one part the Word, and he called one part the Spirit. He did this because he wanted to create and he knew what he was going to get in creation. And we also understood that when he stretched himself into these three dimensions, the father, according to the plan of creation, decided that at the end of creation, he's going to, what he wants is sons. Then the word also said that at the end of creation, what he wants is a bride. Then the Spirit also said at the end of creation, what he wants is a body that he would dwell therein. So all these three dimensions 
or manifestations of God or personalities of God actually had what they were, they were going to take at the end of creation. And the beautiful thing is that all the needs, or let me say, that which these dimensions of God are looking for are all fulfilled in the church. Are you following? And the church actually now becomes the saints. And we also understood that when God planned all these things, he began to make, the father dimension began to make promises to the son. And in that, a lot of things were agreed among them. And one of the things that they agreed was that it was going to be through the son or the word that they will make all things. They will, they will create everything by him. Are you getting the point? So there was a certain scripture Okay, so in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 6, there is one of the things that happened amongst the Godhead, how they all understood things and set up things for creation. He said, yet for us there is only one God, there is only one God, the Father, out of him is all things. And our lives are lived for him. And there is one Lord, Jesus, the anointed one, through whom we and all things exist. Mm, hallelujah. I don't know if you are getting the, the, the clear understanding here. Now, if you look at the way the King James put it, the King James says, But to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things. The passion says that out of him are all things. What it means is that the father now becomes the source of all things. Then he said, and we in him, and we have one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things, and we by him. Hmm. Are you following? Okay, let me read what the message is saying. The message said that there is only one God, the Father, that everything comes from Him and that He wants us to live for Him. And also they say that there is only one Master, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this is how the whole thing is. The Father was the source of all things. That was the agreement. But the moment everything comes out of the Father, it will pass through the Word of the Son. Then that thing will take the shape of the Son. Are you getting the picture? So I explained this the other time. That the Son or the Word or the Lord Jesus Christ, He actually became the image of the whole Godhead. That all things are supposed to be made through him, by him. Are you following? So this was one of the agreements that took place 
between the Father and the Son. He made promises according to the book of Daniel 7, as we read. The Bible says that, and the Father, the ancient of these, gave the Son of Man dominion, glory, and the kingdom. So we all studied how some of the things that the Father promised and gave to the Son. And we also got to know that once we have our faith in the Son, He also makes us sons. So that all the things that Jesus was supposed to inherit, once we believe in the Lord Jesus, He brings us to His place. So that we become co-heirs or joint heirs with Him. That we are also entitled to receive the same inheritance. Are you following? So basically, that is what we understood. And we also understood how we become sons. We got to know that it is through the Holy Spirit. And we understood that the Holy Spirit actually is the covenant or the way of life that exists between the Father and the Son. Hallelujah. And we later even came to a particular conclusion in the Spirit that the word of the Lord spoke, spoke of the fact that the new covenant is called the Spirit and the old covenant is called the letter. The Spirit and the letter. Now we know that the Spirit is the Holy Ghost and Jesus, the night before his crucifixion, when he gathered the disciples and they were having the last supper, he took the bread and broke it. Then later when he took the cup, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. So what Jesus was actually saying is that the new covenant is in his blood. And the word of the Lord, we all know that he took wine. And according to the book of Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible speaks of the fact that the wine is the spirit. The Bible tells us that be not drunk with wine wherein in excess, but be filled with the spirit. So the wine actually stands in the same dimension as the spirit. When the Bible speaks of new wine being put in a new wine skin, he's talking about we being regenerated and our hearts being made anew for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell within. Are you following? So the spirit is actually the wine. That is the reason why when you are taking the Holy Communion, you are actually taking the body and the wine you are taking the body and the spirit. Are you getting the picture? But there is one part of the body that many people don't know. And that is where most of the times problems come from. Do you know that the Bible also makes mention of the fact that the church is the body of Christ? I hope you know. Good. So whenever you are eating Holy Communion, the bread, you are not only eating Jesus you are also eating his church. So when the Bible tells you that you should descend the lost body, there are two dimensions of this one. Descending the lost body. The word descend means to see and understand. See and understand. So when you are descending the lost body, you are not descending only the head, that is Jesus. You are descending the entire body as well, that is the church. That is the reason why 
if you continue to eat the Holy Communion and you don't love the brethren, there is a problem. So to descend the body, come to a point of love. That is one of the reasons why the Corinthian church was one of the most gifted and anointed churches. But they were the people who were falling sick and dying easily. So in the book of 1 Corinthians 11, Paul had to address this matter. And the whole issue was surrounding the Holy Communion because they could not descend the Lord's body. They were gifted and anointed, but they hated themselves. There was no law. So after Paul spoke about the Holy Communion in chapter 11, in chapter 12 he spoke of the giftings, and in chapter 13 he spoke of love. Are you following? So now we need to understand this whole thing. If we don't love the church, when we partake of the Holy Communion, we, might, we will not see any great results. Love their brethren. So the Bible says, we, For we know that we have passed from death to life because we love their brethren. Once you love their brethren, life, life comes. And Jesus said, If you do not partake of my body, and drink of my blood, there is no life in you. May the Lord help us. That is one of the reasons why when you are about to partake of the Holy Communion and you know, Sister Soso and so, you have issues with the person. Don't, don't, don't pretend. Go to the person and say, Charlie, forgive me, okay, I'm so sorry. And do that from your heart and partake of the Holy Communion. You will see the wonderful results that you will get. Many people partake of Holy Communion and still get sick. That is, that is an impossible reality. And you only see it when we are out of love because we do not discern the body. We view Holy Communion in church. Love the brethren. Are you listening to me? Good. The Lord bless us. So, this is how, we, how far we've, we've come to understand the matters of the inheritance of the saints. The Bible says, Now are we the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall become. But we know that when he comes, we shall be like him. Hallelujah. So according to the word of God, we are now the sons of God. We are the sons of God. But he said, but it doth not yet appear what we shall become. In the book of 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. He said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we are sons, but still we have not gotten to the part where we are, so, we are, we are, we are like Jesus. He said, Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will become. So we are going to become 
somebody someday, even though we are now sons, but that somebody we are supposed to become, we have not yet become. Are you following? And what is that somebody we are supposed to become? The Bible said in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 13, what is this person we are going to become? We are going to be like Jesus. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 13, that is what Paul is saying. He said, Till we all, he said, these graces, these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God, and finally we become one into a perfect man. Into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. You see, you see the way the words are being put together here. They are very technical in the spirit realm. Are you getting my point? power. Hallelujah. Now, when you read the King James, the King James will now let you know the very, very heavy words here. And I believe one of these days we'll go into, into it. He said, So we all come in, in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. There is a day we are all going to become perfect men. Are you following? A perfect man. And when we say a perfect man, we are not talking about a man that does not sin, even though in that dimension we will not sin. But there's something really high when it comes to perfection in the Bible. When the Bible says someone is perfect, it means that everything the man does is in line with the will, with the will of God. And at the same time, when any time the New Testament speaks of perfection, it is speaking about the body. The body. What it means is that at that moment, this deadly body, or let me say, this body of death we carry will change. And it will become a perfect body like that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Then he said, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Did you hear the word me measure here? This one speaks to you like mat mathematics. There is a measurement. There is a certain standard the Lord Jesus has set. And we need to climb to that level. 
the Lord will help us and grant us grace. This is where we are going to. Even though right now we are the sons of God, but we are not yet there. But we know that when Jesus appears, ah, we shall be like him. And this is the secret Paul told us. In the book of 1 Thessalonians 4.17, Paul said, The Lord himself shall descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet, with the last trump of God. Then the dead that are in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, we shall be caught up in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. Oh, hallelujah. Then it says, so and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I don't want to dive into um, eschatology. Hallelujah. It is this same verse that Paul was trying to explain to the Corinthian church. In the book of 1 Corinthians 15. But this time around, when Paul was making mention of it, When Paul was making mention of it, he did not talk about caught up. He used a different word for the word caught up. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 and 52, Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. But we shall all be changed. Now, take note. Instead of Paul using the word caught up, he used the word change. Then he said, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Did you hear the same last trump in 1 Thessalonians 4.17? Good. He said, the last trump. He said, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. It is this same thing that Paul is talking about. The same thing he spoke to the Thessalonian church. He's telling the Corinthian church. But this time around, with the Corinthian church, he used different words, but still having the same meaning. That is why, if you want to understand the matter of the caught up, you actually need to understand it from this level. Because many people looked at the word caught up and they said rapture. It means we will be taken into the sky. And that is the only verse they will base on. This is what the Passion Translation says. Listen, I will tell you a divine mystery. Not all of us will die. They told us that we are seeing. That's what they told us. That is earthly wisdom. So they tell you, we are That is earthly wisdom. Are you listening to me? It is out of earthly wisdom that they normally say, Nippon Sehi. That is nonsense. What are you talking about? You are not serious. 
but they are trying to communicate something that is very meaningful. But because of earthly wisdom, that is the only thing they can say. But ni pasi bibi. But in the confines of the earth, you cannot see the ni no unless you look beyond the earth. And that is why we have wisdom that is from God. Are you following? So when the wisdom of God dawns on you, you will know that you can build a house and live in it. You can die and leave it behind. But you see, you will know one thing, that if you decide to use that building for kingdom purpose, even though you are dead and gone, you will still have a reward for that act in heaven. Are you getting the picture? It is through the wisdom of God that we know Certain things we do here on this earth have eternal values. And because of that, we don't just do anything. Amen. That's great. So, that was just by the way. Then today, what I want to talk to you about here is that we are all believers. We are all Christians. When we put all of us together, we are called the church. Take, please listen carefully to what I'm telling you this evening. We are all believers. We have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. What did we believe about? We believed that he is the son of God. And that God sent him to this earth for our sake that he became man as we had already become so that he will bear our sins and iniquities and die to redeem us so his death and his blood redeemed us from sin then his resurrection justified us as righteous and became the platform for the new life Are you listening to me? So you need to know what the death of Jesus did for you and what his resurrection did for you. They are not the same. Amen. His death is for your redemption. His resurrection is for your justification. If Jesus had died and had not resurrected, you couldn't have been declared righteous because it was after Jesus died that he resurrected and carried his blood to the father that the father accepted the sacrifice of his blood and he now declared every believer in Jesus a righteous man are you following because it is one thing for your sins to be forgiven and another thing for you to be declared righteous they are not the same Hallelujah. You know, a time came in the Corinthian church where some, some people who were known as the Gnostics entered into the church and they were destroying the foundational doctrine that was taught in the church. They brought in a whole lot of things. They said Jesus did not resurrect. And you know, the Sadducees were most 
of those people. They do not believe in anything called spirit. They don't believe in anything called angel, nothing. They don't believe in anything called resurrection. So to them, Jesus died, fine, everybody can die. But that he resurrected on his own is something they never understood. And they entered into the Corinthian church and they began to deceive them. So Paul had to write a letter to them. In 1 Corinthians 15, he was addressing the matter of resurrection. And this is why Paul even said, the resurrection of Jesus was just a shadow. It was actually something that was that has been laid as a foundation for what we are also going to experience. Are you following? That if Jesus died and did not resurrect, then we are the most miserable people in this world. Then our sins have not even been forgiven. That means he could not carry his blood to the Father. And if the blood has not been carried to the Father, the Father cannot now accept it and declare as righteous. Are you getting it? So Paul was addressing the matter and said resurrection is a, is a reality. Jesus resurrected. And in fact, it is through his resurrection that we have our faith in him. Then, after you believing in the Lord Jesus, immediately, the Holy Spirit will now come and reside in you. He will come and live in your heart. And once he lives in your heart, he has already made you a child of God. And once you become a child of God, you are entitled to receiving the promises and the inheritances that the Father has laid for the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So as we are all here, we are all entitled to receive the inheritance. But can I say one thing? I don't know whether it is the sad truth or the... I don't know how to say it. But what I want you to understand is that we all will not get the same inheritance. Even though we are all one. As the church. Are you listening to me? And I'm, I will show you the reasons why we all will not have the same inheritance. Because as a church, we are all not the same. In the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 17, Revelation chapter 17, verse 14, the word of the Lord spoke about the Antichrist fighting with the Lamb of God, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lamb overcame the Antichrist. But the Bible said there were a group of people that were with the Lamb. Now the Bible is not telling us who these people were. So he said, These shall make war with the Lamb. And the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And they that are with him, so the people that are with the Lord, they are the called, chosen, and faithful. Can you see three different groups of people here? Okay, 
So let me read it from the, the Passion Translation. It says, They will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will conquer them, for He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Those who are with Him will also conquer them, and they are called tossing ones and faithful ones. The way the kingdom puts it, will make it nice. He says, and they that are with him are called, comma, and tosim, comma, and faithful. For you to know, there are three different groups of people that are with the Lord. And these people are the people who have believed in the Lord Jesus. So the church, the body of Christ, is actually divided into three main groups based on the way the Lord Jesus sees his church. The first group of people are known as the called. The second group are known as the chosen. And the third group are known as the faithful. Now, who are the called? Now, understand that the other time when we were talking about calling, I made you understand that every human being on the surface of the earth is called by God. Are you following? And I told you that the call realm is actually in the mind of God himself. Everything God created, God called it out. God, he called everything. So everything has been called. And it is actually through the calling of all things that assignment or destiny is apportioned or allocated. So whether the person is a weed smoker or the person is a womanizer or whoever the person is, the, every human being has been called to fulfill a particular destiny. So all the people in this world have been called by God. But there is another group of people amongst all human beings known as the called. So those ones, God called them out of the multitudes of human beings on the earth. Are you following? And I love the way the, the book of Romans put it. The book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. Romans 8 verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Now, the Bible said, And we know that all things worketh together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called, according to his purpose. Very important. That word, the called, makes it definite. Are you getting the point? That's how the King James put it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Hmm. So we have every human being who has been called, and we also have the called out ones. And that word, the called out ones, is actually the word ecclesia, the church. So we have the world and we have the church. Are you following? So we are all the church, but just that the first group known as the called, they are just called. 
I don't know how to explain it further. It is like they have gathered 50 people. And the 50 people they have gathered, all of them, they have an assignment to go and pour water in a particular barrel. Are you following? So each and every one of them is holding a cup of water. They are all supposed to fill a particular barrel with that water in their hand. So they, are, they have all been, all the 50 people have been called. But then, all of a sudden, we all didn't even know where the barrel was. But a man came and he said, if you want to know where the barrel is, so that you can pour your water into it, come close to me. Then all of a sudden, only 20 people out of the 50 got close to that man. So these 20 people will now be called the called. Even though all the 50 people were called to do one particular thing. But only 20 people listened to the man who knew where the barrel was. So they've now become the called. They are known as the called out ones. The ecclesia, the church. Are you listening to me? Good. So now the Bible is telling us that all those 20 people, all things work together for good for them because they are the called. But then, aside that, we have another group of people known as the chosen. In the book of Matthew 22, verse 14. Matthew 22, verse 14. Matthew 22, verse 14. Now, the Bible said, For many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. So even among the 20 who have been called, only few are going to be chosen. And what is going to be the criteria through which the only few people will be chosen? How come all the 20 people that were called were not chosen. It means there will be something that will sideline some of the people. And it is actually not going to be the Lord who will intentionally do that. But the people will do things that will allow them not to be chosen for the task ahead. Are you getting the point? So let's see. The 20 people have been called. Now they are all holding their cup filled with water. And they are all supposed to follow the man who called them out of the 50 to go to where the barrel is and fail. Then the man would tell the 20 people, please, as we are going, where the barrel is, there is a certain door. It is very slim, very, very slim. If you eat too much, you will be fat and you cannot go through it. So please, don't eat too much. It will be better for you to fast as we are going. But along the line, when they got close to the door, they realized that only four people were able to pass through the door because they did not eat, so they did not become fat. But the other 16 were so fat because they had eaten and they couldn't go through it. 
At this moment, only the four people have been chosen. Are you following? The 16 people are still the called, but they were not chosen. And it is not because the Lord decided not to choose them. Because the Lord is not biased. But they decided on their own, based, they did not do the works that were supposed to be done according to the instructions of the Lord. So they could not get there. They disqualified themselves from becoming the chosen. And they just stayed at the court. Are you following? Good. So now, we have only four people as the chosen. And they are now getting very close. They can actually see where the barrel is. They are all seeing it from afar. They are now getting close. But there was something that the man that was leading them told them. He said, before you get to where the barrel is and pour your water in it, there is a certain pit filled with water. You will pass through it. Make sure that the water that is in the pit, which is dirty, does not enter into the cup of water that is in your hand. The moment the dirty water in the pit enters into your cup, you have become one with them. You will not be able to get to that place and pour a clean water in the barrel. Now when he told the four people this, some of them looked at themselves and they saw the way the, the water in the pit was very dirty and how they were going to look dirty if they fall into it. And some two of them decided that they cannot go. So the other two decided to go. But once the other two entered into the pit, the other one still said, ah, this is, this is tough. Oh, I, I can't I have to go back. At least I've tried. So it was only one who was able to pass through that pit with that dirty water and that none of the dirty water actually entered into his cup. Then he came out. The moment he came out, he became the one that was faithful unto the end. And he poured his water in the barrel. Are you, are you following? I'm trying to make it simple for everybody to understand. So that you will know that once you have been called out of the world, it's not that, that does not mean that is all. If you just stay there because eh, I'm, I'm a Christian, that is all. You are just the called. And there is only, you see, there, there is a certain inheritance for only the called. There is an inheritance for the chosen. And there is also a specific inheritance for the faithful. Are you following? <laughs> I love the way the place has become quiet. Now you should ask yourself, which, which place are you now? Are you just the called? Or you are the chosen? Or you are part of the faithful? 
Now, one of the things about the faithful ones is that they are faithful even unto death. When you are cutting off their head, they will say, The Lord Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And the word faithful is actually the same word that is used for faith. It is the word pistos, which means to be trustworthy. Somebody God can trust something to. It will be used for his heart desire. He can trust you with that. You see, there are certain people, eh, when God is opening doors of wealth to them, it looks like God doesn't think about it. Because he has weighed their hearts over the years. And he knows that this one, it doesn't matter what I give to him. He would definitely be faithful. God will give the money to the person and go. After a few years, God will come back. And the person has done exactly what God wanted him to do. Meanwhile, there are some of us, when we get one million dollars, aboziki. Bushiafudu say yes, Baba. I'm telling you. Especially the Igbo people, the Igbo people, Nigeria, they will go and build a very, a very huge mansion in their hometown. Kona Salabahaya. Amen. People of God, there are some people God, God knows eh, if, he give, if, if he gives that person two ladies to train them. Three months, the ladies will give birth for him. Hey! Train them in the way of the Lord. Why? By the time you return, we'll be doing naming ceremony <laughs> for the two. There are many of us, God cannot entrust treasures into our hands. And the issue is, we are not faithful. Are you following? So this whole thing is a journey, people of God. It is a journey. I'm telling you, it is a journey. And people who are faithful, they don't think of themselves. They have killed self. They buried self before they got there. So you now see how difficult it is for people to rise to the faithful level. It's not easy. But the Lord will help us. In the name of the Lord Jesus. So we we'll all go to heaven and we will see the kind of inheritances that God will give to certain people. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, let me help you for you to understand. Now, so the church 
in the area of judgment, in the area of reward and inheritance, is actually divided into three main ranks before the Lord Jesus. The called, the chosen, and the faithful. But the church is also grouped into seven manifestations. The, the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ spoke about it. Spoke about the seven churches. So all the seven churches, they fall into the category of the three main ranks. Are you getting the picture? It is like you have entered into a class, maybe class five. And basically, the basic division of the class is into two. Which is, let me check if somebody can get it correct. Once you enter the class, they've already divided the class into two sessions. Which is, it's just a basic thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let me hit on it again. When you enter the class, class 5, automatically the class has already been divided into two. That means two different categories. Exactly, automatically, male and female. So whether you like it or yes, you are either a male or you are a female. Are you getting it? But then there can be something that will sort out the people into seven groups. So you can get one group, they have 14 males, 12 females, then the other group has these males, these females, this, this, this. But basically, the whole class has been divided into two main groups. That is what I'm trying to explain. Basically, the church is grouped into three. The called, the chosen, and the faithful. But based on certain specific characters or characteristics, it has also been spread into seven main churches. Are you following? God bless you. God bless you, Kwame. Beautiful. So now, if we try to bring it down, we realize that even though we have seven churches, but all these seven churches fall into the range of the called, the chosen, and the faithful. Are you following? Good. Now, before we talk about, and I think I've, uh, I did my best by the special grace of God to talk about the seven churches. I have the message when we're talking about understanding the book of Revelation. The seven churches. So you can go in there, but then we'll, we'll understand that. <laughs> we'll understand that um, in the dimension of the inheritance as I teach. Okay. So when we're talking about the understanding the book of Revelation, we're just trying to understand the book. But this time around, we'll use the seven churches to actually explain, um, you know, their relations with the inheritance of the saints. 
because most of the times you will remember that when Jesus was addressing in any of the churches, he would say right unto the church of Ephesus that this is what the one that stands in the lampstand, the seven lampstands, is saying. So how Jesus will address himself or introduce himself to the church will definitely speak of the judgment that he will declare for the people. So you remember that almost all the churches, he said, he that overcometh, I will do this for the person. Are you, are you following? And what Jesus was going to do is actually what we call the inheritance that that particular church is going to receive. And we all got to know that among all the seven churches, there was only two churches that Jesus did not find fault with. Only two churches. The church of Smyrna and the church of Philadelphia. All the other five churches had problems with them. But he said, if that overcometh in any of these churches, he has a special thing for them. And that special inheritance that Jesus had for the overcomers in the churches was connected to how he introduced himself. We'll come to that. But the key word I want to bring to our mind is the word overcomer. Overcomer. In the book, Of the revelation of Jesus, chapter 21, verse 7. Revelations 21, verse 7. Revelations 21, verse 7. Hallelujah. All right, good. Good. Now, this is from. Okay, let me read from the King James first before I come to the NLT. He says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. The NLT says, All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. He said, The, the Passion Translation says, The conquering ones will inherit these gifts. Now you see, Jesus was talking to the churches. He said, he that overcometh. That means that even though we are all the church, the bride of Jesus, but then there are overcomers in the church. Now the question is, what are these people overcoming? And what does the word over... What, what is... Who is an overcomer? And what are we overcoming? Are you following? Very important. Because it is you being an overcomer that will determine the inheritance you will receive. That is why he said, he that overcometh will inherit all these things. So, overcome what? Now we'll go into all that. But then I want us to understand basically what the word overcoming actually means. So that you will know that in the scriptures, there are two main forms of overcomers. Two main dimensions of overcomers. Now, all these overcomers are in the church. There are two main dimensions of overcomers. The first one is by faith. We overcome by faith. 
And we all know that we all have believed in the Lord Jesus. How did we overcome by faith? And what at all did we overcome by faith? Now let's read what the Bible is saying in the book of 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 and 5. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 and 5. First John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. He said, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. The Passion translation says, You see, every child of God overcomes the world. So you see, okay, let's go further. He said, And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So once you are born of God, you are an overcomer. But what have you overcome? The world. And how did you overcome the world? By believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So by your faith in Christ, you were born again. And that was how come you overcame the world. Now the question is, what is the world? <laughs> are you following? I want to break it down for everybody to understand. Because many of us know that we have overcome the world. How did you overcome the world? Is it the world we are living in or what? Are you listening to me? Now, in the book of John chapter 16, verse 33, now you now understand that it is only by your faith that the word of the Lord said you overcame the world. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows but take heart because i have overcome the world so who actually overcame the world is it not jesus so it was jesus that overcame the world and our faith in jesus the moment we believed in jesus he actually credited the overcoming of the world into our account. How did Jesus overcome the world? We now need to know what the world is all about. Then we now also know how Jesus overcame the world. Are you following? In the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. 1 John chapter 2, Verse 15 to 17. Now listen to what John is telling the people. He said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, now listen to it carefully. For all that, so the whole world, this world thing that John is telling us not to love. This world that Jesus overcame, John is telling us that this whole world, all that is in the whole world, is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but it is of the world. So when the Bible speaks of the world, the whole world we are overcoming is in two, in three folds. The lust, said the all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Now, let me read it from the, um, the Passion Translation. It says, don't set your affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible <laughs> for all that the world can offer us. So you see, when you put the whole world together, it manifests in three forms. And he said, all that the world can offer us, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance. None of these things come from the Father or from the world. So whenever a man of God is preaching to you and he said, be careful of the world, he's not telling you that you should run away from the cosmos where you are living. No. He's speaking of the systems of this world. And the systems of this world are in three main dimensions. The last of the flesh, the last of the eyes, and the pride of life. But Jesus said, I have overcome the world. How did Jesus overcome the world? How did Jesus overcome the world? Now, we all know when Jesus, after he was baptized, the Bible said, and the Spirit of God led him to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. In the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew, chapter 4, verse 1 downwards. Follow me carefully. Matthew 4, verse 1 downwards. The Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. What means he was, he was hungry? After Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he became so hungry. And the Bible said, And when the tempter came to him, that's the devil, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Do you think the Bible just wrote, Jesus became hungry? Keke. No. The word of the Lord was trying to let you know that the desire of the flesh of Jesus came alive. Because hunger is a desire of the flesh. The, word, the same word desire is the word lust. Are you listening to me? Anytime you start feeling hungry, it means your flesh is desiring something. And what your flesh is desiring is food. When you don't feel hungry in your life anymore, it means the, the desire or the lust of your flesh has been tamed. And hunger is not the only desire of the flesh. It is not the only lust of the flesh. You can lust after a woman. It is also the lust of the flesh. And there are many of them. Are you listening to me? But one of the, the commonest lust of the flesh is hunger. So when Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. That means the lust of his flesh came alive. 
And immediately Satan came and said, that this stone that you are sitting close to it, turn it to bread if you, if, you, if you claim that you are the son of God. Now, if Jesus had turned the stone to bread, what do you think would have happened? He was hungry. The Bible said he was hungry. I'm not the one saying it. <laughs> you see what the devil is trying to do? He's tempting Jesus on that point of the world called the last of the flesh. Then the Bible said in verse 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And immediately, Jesus conquered the devil on the side of the last of the flesh. So when the devil came to tempt Jesus, using what is in the world known as the last of the flesh, he failed. Are you following? Then the devil came back again in verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Yeah, Satan said, Your own, it is written in your Bible that God he will keep his angels charge on you. So if you claim that you are the Son of God, cast yourself down. Now we all know that Jesus is the Son of God. And we all know that if he makes the attempt to cast himself down, legions of angels will come and hold him up. We all know. And Jesus himself is aware. Do you know what Satan was trying to tempt him about? It was called the pride of life. Like Jesus would say, oh, this is a small thing. Oh, my, I can even command these angels, they will come. But listen to what Jesus said. The Bible said, Jesus answered unto him, It is written, again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So Satan failed in tempting Jesus on the side of the pride of life. Wow. So the first thing, the last of the flesh, Jesus conquered. He overcame. And when it came also to the pride of life, he overcame. And as if that was not all, Satan came back. In verse 8, the Bible said, Again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. So Jesus saw the kingdom. He showed him. He saw it. And said unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou worship. Then the Bible said, Immediately the devil left him, and angels came and ministered to him. So he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. If I want to read the book of Luke, in the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 6, concerning how the devil took Jesus to a, a, a tall mountain, he said, and the devil said unto him, all this power 
will I give thee and the glory of them for that it for that is delivered for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will I give it just worship me <laughs> so Satan said that all the glory and the power of the kingdom they were delivered to him by who Adam Adam delivered the kingdom and the glory to Satan and Satan is telling Jesus that look at this he showed Jesus all the kingdoms the riches and the glory that Jesus was watching the glory he was just watching the riches of the kingdoms so at that point what was Satan tempting him of was tempting him of the last of the eyes gold glories and Jesus conquered so when Jesus says I have overcome the world this is what he means he overcame the last of the flesh he overcame the last of the eyes he overcame the pride of life do you know that these were the same things Satan used or tempted Adam and Eve with so when Satan entered into the garden The Bible said, he went straight to the woman and he said, in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, the Bible said, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Then listen to what the devil said. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now listen to what the Bible said about what happened after Satan said this. In verse 6, the Bible said, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she saw that is the last of the eyes. Okay, said, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, now I told you that when a man desires food, it is called the last of the flesh. Is that not so? The last of the, the desire of the flesh. Now the Bible said the woman saw that the tree was good for food. So the first point was the last of the flesh. Because she saw it was good for food. Then the Bible said and it was pleasant to the eyes. That is the last of the eyes. It looked so beautiful. So pleasant to the eyes of the woman. The first point. The woman saw it was so good to be eaten. The second point is it looks so beautiful in the sight of the woman. So the first point was the last of the flesh. The second point was the last of the eyes. And the Bible said, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. So the woman saw that this tree can make me wise. That is the pride of life. 
she wanted to experience a certain kind of wisdom that nobody had so that she would say I'm wise and the thing is all these points happened man ate of the tree and they fell and the moment man fell the world now conquered man such that Satan began to rule the whole world including man himself with these three points that we see certain things you see many of us can fall because of the things we see many of us fall because of the lust the desires of the flesh all the things that Satan is using against people are in these three points. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Everything that destroys man is in these three dimensions. Hallelujah. Adam failed. But when Satan came to tempt Jesus with these same things, Jesus conquered. Now when you believed in the Lord Jesus, Jesus accredited that or he credited that overcoming power into your hands so that now you can also say because of your faith in Christ you have overcome the world but there is a key I want you to know because we have many Christians who are still being controlled by the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life but the truth of the matter is Jesus has actually given us the victory. Are you listening to me? And because we did not work for it, do you know that most of the times, things you have not worked for, you can't really take good care of them. You can't really take good care of them. And one problem is that something you have not even worked for, you need knowledge for you to know that it is yours. Because sometimes when you go to your house and you see PS5 there, you know you did not buy it. You go, hey, the way they want PS5 in here, hey. Then maybe your brother will tell you that, oh, daddy said he bought it for you. So, wow, you know you did not work for it. It has been given. So if you don't get your younger brother to tell you that daddy said he got it for you, it can be there. Even when you are trying to use it, now because you don't know who owns it. Are you listening to me? So one of the main reasons why still the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life keeps controlling us is because first, we don't have the knowledge that this is what Jesus has already conquered for us. So anytime you look at something, when you look at a lady lustfully, first the lust of the eyes started developing certain things and they entered into your flesh. Then the desires of the lust of your flesh also started responding. By the time you realize, you have fallen into sin. And the most dangerous part of it, after you have slept with the lady, you go and stand among your friends and say, Charlie, ah, I claim, I claim. Then your friends are challenging you, ah, you did G, challenge you, they did Charlie. So when they are G, 
Pride of life. So what can I mean saying in Abu? Abba she carries him to the chair. Why? Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? There are some of us, eh, as we are here now, unless we don't see something new. There's this lady I know. Every new iPhone that comes, she will buy it. If she doesn't get it, she will not be okay. Every new iPhone, oh, so she has iPhone 15 days. The following year, iPhone this will come, she will just go and get it. Listen, every time. She's not satisfied with what she has. She said, well, who say you advert? And this is this, then you have done a phone, you have dress away, then you have one terabyte, and then this, she will go and buy immediately. Unless she doesn't see it. It's called the last of the eyes. Amen. Do you know, go and read something. In the book of Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20. Proverbs 27, verse 20. Listen to what the Bible said. And be very careful. Proverbs 27. He said, Hell and destruction are never for." So the eyes of man are never satisfied. <laughs> Your eyes, eh, they are never satisfied. If you are not careful, you will watch and watch and watch and watch and watch yourself out of Masala. <laughs> are you listening to me? You see, we need to be very careful. That is why we need to pray. Hallelujah. Now, some of us, unless we don't see a fair lady, hey, she said, Oya kokona ye niye hu kokono kwano. It will spark things. Are you following? I'm, I'm serious with what I'm saying. Oh, Samatias. I'm telling you, some ladies too, unless they don't see any guy with beard and some 21 hair on their chest. Are you listening to me? The eyes of man are never satisfied. Are you following? This is why Job vowed. He said, I have vowed, I've entered into a covenant with my eyes that I will never watch a maiden twice. Job will Kumas Atelis. I know some of you. <laughs> and your covenant to Chrono, dear. I don't know. 
Some guys will be to me, Chiano Consan or him or to crack on the coals still. You would die, you Chiano Consan. And some of our dear sisters, too, they will dress and the kind of clothes they will put on will just bring out their sheep. And among them, now might be the money set people are watching them. So, so, and also pride of life will be all the number. You need to be a shadow. No. Every guy loves her. They call so on the call. We'll be now soon crawl for our own baby. We'll change. We'll soon crawl for any baby. Amen. Well, let me say it as it is. Oh. Let me say it as it is. Kuma Sahatis. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. So we need to be very careful. Are you listening to me? That is one of the reasons why. One of the ways to conquer the the last of the eyes hmm, is to be very careful with the things you allow your eyes to watch. Because the eyes of man are not satisfied. I'm telling you. That's why you can watch a movie and you would want to watch it again and again and again. Meanwhile, you've watched the movie, but still. Amen. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. So now, the first overcomer is the one who has believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the moment you believe in the Lord Jesus, Jesus overcame the world. Now we have understood because all that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Now Jesus conquered everything when Satan tempted him with these three things. So he overcame the world. And then once you believe in him, he credits that into your account, that you have also overcome the world. So the Bible said, whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So the first overcomer is an overcomer of the world by faith. But there's a second overcomer. So we, we all, according to the word of God, because of our faith in Christ, we are overcomers of the world. He said we should be of good cheer because he has overcome the world for us. Are you following? So we have overcome the world because Jesus overcame the world. But then there is another dimension of overcomer. And that is what was written in the book of Revelation chapter 21 verse 7. That he that overcometh. He that overcometh. He's speaking to the church. He said he that overcometh 
will inherit all things. So now the question is, if we are all overcomers in the first position, by we overcoming the world, then what will the second overcomers overcome? So in the first dimension of overcoming, we overcame the world. And we did not do it on our own. Jesus did it on our behalf. It was just our faith in him that gave us that title, that realm, that we have overcome the world. But there's another dimension of overcoming. And the question is, what are these overcomers overcoming? And what have they overcome? Are you following? Good. Let me give you that one then we close. Amen. Amen. Good. Now, another meaning of overcome is, is that when we say someone is an overcomer in the sight of God, someone who has passed through all the evil agenda of the enemy to bring him down and has still emerged. Someone who has gone through all the tribulations and have still emerged. Someone who has attained the standard that was set for him. Are you following? So if there is a certain height, maybe let's say five meters, and you are supposed to jump to that point, that is the standard that has been set for you. If you jump to the five meters height, you are declared an overcomer. It also means you are victorious. Are you following? So another meaning of an overcomer is one who gets to the place where he has come to the fullness of the dimension or the standard that was set ahead of him. Are you getting the picture? Good. We need this before we go into what I want to talk about. Now, so, these second overcomers, what are they going to overcome? And what makes them overcomers? Because they are originally overcomers by faith, and what they overcame is the world. But they are overcoming again. And what is that overcoming? What are they overcoming? Now, in the book of Genesis chapter 32, verse 24 to 28. Genesis 32, verse 24 to 28. The word of the Lord spoke about how Jacob was alone. And he put a stone somewhere and he placed his head on the stone and he slept. And whilst he was there alone and sleeping, a man appeared. And the Bible said he wrestled with the man. The Bible said, and Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him. Take note, a man with him. Until the breaking of the day. And when he saw, when the man actually saw that he could not conquer Jacob. He touched the hollow of his thigh. The hollow of his thigh. You know the hollow of your thigh? We are talking about your hip bone, your hip bone. I know that some of you, the men, when you stand and you look at your, your hip area, there's a hollow to crub it down. 
I'm talking about the men because we are men. Are you listening to me? Hey, you are false. You know those times when I used to fall sick, when malaria chemical crana me for Tommy and me jinawa. When you look at the hollow of my thigh, hey! Hallelujah. So, when the man realized he could not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. That is the hip bone. And it dislocated. So, those of you who have done um, anatomy and physiology, you can see that the pelvic bone connects. Are you getting it? So that bone around the waist connects to that hip bone. The man touched that side and it disconnected from the waist bone. So Jacob was finding it difficult to stand. And I have a question. I think I asked this question the other time. Why did that man touch that side? Exactly. That ball and socket joint. God bless you. Exactly. Why did he touch the hip and dislocated the hip bone? That one is a different... We'll talk about this when we are talking about we are in the school of spiritual mysteries. But then, even after touching and dislocating the hip bone, Jacob did not allow him to go. And the Bible said, The Bible said, and Jacob said, then the man said to Jacob, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is your name? And Jacob said, my name is Jacob. Then the man said, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Listen to this part. He said, for as a prince, thou hast power with God and with man and has prevailed. Hmm. The man said, from today, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but you will be called Israel. Now, for you to understand what Israel is, you need to go back to my message on the Israel of God. You will know who the true Israel is. Are you following? And listen to what the man said. He said, I wish, let me get this from the NLT. Verse 28. Verse 28, NLT. Genesis 32, verse 28, NLT. 
Good. He said, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now you will be called Israel because, listen to it. So the reason why he will be called Israel is because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Look at that. Who was Jacob fighting with? Didn't the Bible say a man? Didn't the Bible say a man wrestled with him? Now, the man is telling Jacob that you, your, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, because. So the reason why he's having the name Israel is because, first, he has wrestled with God and with man and has prevailed. What it means is that that being, that man Jacob was wrestling with, that man was God and man at the same time. And Jacob prevailed. What? It does not mean, is he don't understand it in the literal sense, that Jacob fought with God and he conquered God. No, that's not what it means. It means that that word prevailed there is actually also talking about the word overcome. It means the standard God set, Jacob has gotten to that standard. And the standard that was set also for men, he has also gotten to that standard. So it is only Israel that can rise to the standard of God and man at the same time. So that man that wrestled with Jacob was actually God and man at the same time. And we all know that it is only the Lord Jesus that is God and is man at the same time. So do you know what actually happened? In the spirit, Jacob actually fulfilled something that Israel, that is Jesus, actually used to be in the spirit realm. So now, he was now qualified to receive the name. But there is a certain statement that the man also made mention of. And I wish I could say this. <laughs> he said, as a prince, didn't he say that? There's a very heavy bone over there, and we'll talk about it as a prince. So he called Jacob a prince. What, what, what does that mean? He's actually speaking, I don't want to confuse you with this because that one is a different story altogether. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we'll go into all that. But then what we are trying to say is that Jacob now came to a place of fulfilling a certain demand of Israel in a spirit realm. Now we got to know that the true Israel is Jesus Christ. So there was a certain standard that the true Israel Jesus had already set in the, in the spirit realm that Jacob was able to fulfill. So when the hollow of a sty was dislocated. He still stood. That was overcoming the dimension of man. Are you following? So now, this is it. Now, he has become Israel because he has overcome God and man. And I said that overcome them means to rise to the standard. 
Understand that the first overcomers overcame by faith, and what they overcame was the world. But then there are two other things we need to overcome. The first one is God, the second one is man. So in all the life that we are living, we have three main dimensions of things to overcome. The first one is the world, which the Lord Jesus overcame on our behalf. The second one is man. You need to overcome yourself. You need to rise to a certain standard. And the third dimension is God. Hallelujah. And we'll go into all that in our next meeting to know how to. So those who only overcome God, those who only overcome themselves, have a reward. Those who overcome the dimension of God, that is the standard God has set, if they are able to rise to that standard, they also have a reward. But there are those who combine all the three. They are overcomers by faith. They have overcome the world. They overcome man. They overcome God. And this is actually what splits us into the called, the chosen, and the faithful. May the Lord help us and grant us divine grace, even in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Okay, somebody is asking a question. He said, so please, man of God, what is the difference between rewards and inheritance? That's a beautiful question. A very beautiful question. Now, in our kingdom, our inheritances are given unto us as rewards. Are you, are you getting the picture? Let me explain further. In the book of Matthew 25, verse 31, to I think 34 or so, the Bible said, when the Lord himself descends, he will sit on his throne. And when the Lord sits on his throne, he will gather all the nations before him. And when he gathers the nations before him, he will separate them. As a man separates his sheep from his goats, then the sheep will be on the right and the goats will be on the left. Then he will say to those that are on the, on the right, Blessed art thou of my father. Receive the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Now take note. The main thing that we are going to inherit is called the kingdom. Please take note. The main thing we are all going to inherit is called the kingdom. But the, every kingdom is in dimensions. I believe you know that. We have the main king and we have the sub-chiefs. So the throne you will sit or what you will be in the kingdom you will inherit is actually based on what you did with the Holy Ghost in you. And what will be given to you in the kingdom is your reward. Are you getting it? Michael K, are you getting the, 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 the answer? Good. Now you see, when you read the book of Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible said, the heir 
So long as he is but a child, differed not from the servant. If you are a two-year-old child and your father has wheeled a car to you, you cannot drive the car. Even though the car is for you. He said, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything their father had. You own the thing, but because you have not grown, you cannot use it. And you are like the servant that is in the house who also cannot use the thing. So even though you are entitled to receive that thing as an inheritance, but it is your growth that will give it to you. So your growth is actually what we call the overcoming work. So that those who will not grow, and because they will not grow, even though the thing was willed to them, it will never be useful to them. Are you getting the point? So, some people will never grow. That is why we are all in different cadres. All Christians can never be the same. It is a reality we need to accept. All believers can never be the same. So even though Jesus has willed all these things to you, he even died for you to be reassured that that thing is for you. But it is dependent on your growth. That is why I always say this. If an evangelist dies, maybe a young evangelist in ministry dies, where Paul is in heaven, he cannot go there. I don't know if you're getting my point. Are we all not Christians? Are we all not preaching the gospel? Why is it that Paul is sitting at a place I cannot go close to? Because the level of his growth, I did not get close. So there is a throne God will give to Paul. I will not have that throne. I will get my own based on the level of my growth. Meanwhile, all these things are part of the kingdom that we are supposed to inherit. So when you enter into the kingdom of the Ashantis, we have Utufo sitting on the main throne as the king. We have Jasihine, we have Kuntihine, we have Nkosohine. Do you know that all these Ehimfo are in ranks? They are all not the same. They are all in ranks. Even though they are all in one kingdom, but they all have their different ranks and their thrones. That is what will happen. We are all going to inherit the kingdom, but inside the kingdom, we will not have the same inheritance. Are you following? So the kingdom is the basic inheritance that every believer is going to inherit. But inside the kingdom, there are realms that would differentiate men into kids. Are you listening to me? And one of the things that we'll be given is called crowns. We'll talk about it in um, the next meeting. Crowns. Crowns. And we'll know what crowns actually stand for and what they represent. It is going to be a beautiful experience. Then after the crowns, we'll go into the seven churches and their rewards. Then we close for the inheritance of the saints. Okay. Prince said, what is the difference between 
shall not perish and should not perish in John 3.16, which is which? Okay, how did the King James put it? Mostly, I love the King James because it is mostly very close. Very close to the original Hebrew and Greek manuscript. The King James says, shall not perish. Okay. There's a difference between shall and should though. Okay, if the King James says should, because the moment should comes in, the thing is trying to be like, I've told you, you should not touch this thing. If you believe in me, you are not supposed to, that's what they are trying to say, you are not supposed to, 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 to perish. In this whole context, it means that the moment you lose your belief, you perish. Are you getting it? Good. So, in this context, there is a certain dimension of responsibility on the man where you are supposed to keep. So, the Bible even said, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold unto eternal life. Jidiokono and lay hold. This is the eternal life you received when you believed in Jesus. But the Bible said, that faith you had in Jesus, no, that is not all. It is a fight. And until you fight it, even though you have the eternal life, you cannot lay hold. And once you, are, you cannot lay hold on something, it is, if you are not careful, you can lose it. And this is where many people don't get it. So can you lose your salvation? It is a, it is a possibility. How can a man lose his salvation when you decide that you don't believe in Jesus again? Because you only got saved by believing in Jesus. Are you getting my point? So it is only through the disbelieving in Jesus, by denouncing Jesus Christ, is what makes someone lose his salvation. Are you following? So can a believer continue to sin and lose his salvation? There is also a certain possibility there. But sin in itself does not cause you to lose your salvation. As in when you die, your soul will not appear in heaven. But then if you continue to sin, you will lose every reward you are supposed to get in the kingdom. Which you are going to inherit. That is where, that is where you will feel pain on. <laughs> you don't know. You will feel the pain, Angasa. But you see, there is something sin can do. So you can see a man of God who was once on fire, but he kept sleeping with church ladies. And because of that, he started losing the anointing. And he couldn't prophesy, heal the sick, and raise the dead as he used to. Meanwhile, he has a name. And one of the things about some of these things is that when you continue to sin, and you start losing the grace and the anointing, and you want it to be restored, mostly you, God would have to hide you somewhere and restructure everything again. Are you getting my point? And mostly people can't hide to rebuild all these things again because they, are, they have a name. 
And now, what got them the name was the manifestation of the prophetic and the healing. Now, this is what things are going down also. So, how are they going to? So, now what the person will do is that he cannot take the way of the Lord. Because sometimes God can, it can take three years, five years, ten years for certain things to be restored into their rightful order. You can't, this person can't go off for five years. They will say, aha, so So mostly because of what people will say, they try to still keep themselves relevant without going in the way of the Lord. The Satan will just give them an option. I can help you. I will stir things up. You don't need to go and hide anywhere. Just do this, do this, do this. And then you'll be on point. I will give you a spirit that will tell you ditto, ditto about people's issues. And you see, before Satan will give you something, Satan doesn't work with the Holy Spirit. Satan free so that he can get the chance. That is why there is no Christian who has the Holy Ghost in him that can be possessed by a demon. It doesn't work. Unless the Holy Ghost leaves. You can be possessed. But demons can stand around you and just keep, you know, using your own shortcomings to influence you to do negative things. But so Obetina will to control every part of you. They can't do it because the Holy Spirit is present in you. So the main thing the devil would do to get this man is to let the Holy Spirit leave him. And the Holy Spirit also came to dwell in you when you believed in Jesus. So it is only by you deciding not to believe in Jesus again that the Holy Spirit will leave you. So the devil will now let you denounce Jesus. There's nobody Satan has helped in the dark world who never denounced Jesus. You will denounce Jesus immediately. You will say he did not die, he did not resurrect. And they will fill your mind with different things. Nobody can die for another man's sins. And they say it a lot. All those deceived spiritualists. Nobody can die for another man's sins. They say it. It's one of the greatest deceptions Satan gives to people before he will initiate you. So now, this pastor that was once on fire had an anointing on him. He lost his salvation because he denounced Christ. And now another spirit is at work in him. Meanwhile, many people who cannot discern think that it is the Holy Ghost that is at work. But after some time, you realize that the character of the man will start changing. Because every spirit that is manifesting through you, your body will take the form of that spirit. Are you following? So that is one of the ways a man can lose his salvation through sin. That's what sin is very dangerous. May the Lord help us that we may not give our members even to the evil works of sin. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Someone said, even now people are saying Jesus married Mary Magdalene. You see? That's also another point of deception. Satan hates Jesus. I'm telling you. He will do everything for, to kill your good heart for the Lord. I'm telling you. And mostly, he loves it when you are in trouble. You see, Satan has a way 
of bringing certain things in your life that will let you doubt every, every good thing God has ever told you. I'm telling you. You even start doubting yourself if you are, if you are a man of God. Hey. Hallelujah. May the Lord help all of us. In Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. People of God, the Lord bless you and keep all of you strong. In Jesus' precious mighty name. God bless you, my dear sister, Mami Ejewa. God bless you and favor you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God willing, on Wednesday, we are going to meet for priesthood time. So make sure you join us. And in the afternoon also for lunch prayer fire. And then in the evening, I'll try my best and see if I can join us live in church for the teaching service on tithing. The Lord bless us and favor all of us in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. We shall meet. If you feel led by the Spirit of God to release any seed, the number is 0240-312551. The Lord bless you and honor you all in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. We shall meet. Shalom. Yes, it's because we started with priesthood. That is why we've not been able to have morning glory. Because the time is too short. Because mostly we close from priesthood around 2, sometimes even 2.20 thereabout. And if we are meeting for morning glory at 5 a.m., it means we will trouble a lot of people. That is why we, we have chosen priesthood. So we will still continue to meet. Hallelujah. The Lord favor us all. We shall meet. Shalom. Bye-bye. Stand together. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. So there is power in the name of Jesus. Come on. To break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain, yeah. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Let's say it together, there is power. There is power. In the name of Jesus. You got it. So there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus, yeah. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Declare it, say. To break every chain, break every chain, break every... Now somebody lift your hands in the air right here. Say there's an army 
We want 